Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Abin, yeah. This is the Black Country Blokes in the Fat, with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cadman, and Aaron Chu. And just before I introduce our very special guest, I'd just like to give my deepest respect to um, the great, marvellous Marvin Hagler, who unfortunately lost his life. What a true champion he was. But now over to our guest, Anna Rockle, who is a speech and language therapist. And first of all, Anna, thank you for coming on. And uh, would you mind just explaining a little bit what speech and language therapy actually is? Yeah. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been a speech and language therapist about eight years. Um, I work with adults with learning disabilities and autism and mental health needs. Uh, but speech and language therapy and what is it is quite a big question, really. I think people often think about the work that we do working with children. So working on actual speech, like speech sounds or language delay or working with people who stammer, who've got a stutter. Um, but actually, we work across so many different areas. We work with adults who've had a stroke with people who've got sort of progressive conditions like dementia or Parkinson's, um, people who've had sort of operations that affect their voice like head and neck cancer. Um, yeah, it's just incredibly, incredibly varied. And I guess this, the centre of it really is just about communication. So if anybody, child or adult, has got any um issues that either they've been born with or they develop over time that causes them to have a communication need then basically we might end up working with them it's it's I mean, also sorry Kevin it's all, from my experience from my daughter it's also I think people think that it is actually about talking but it is about communicating whether that be through um f- facial communications uh cue cards you know it's quite varied how you how you can use those skills and it's not actually just about talking definitely and I think you know the the title speech and language makes us focus on those areas when absolutely it's about total communication you know and so much of the messages that we share between each other are nothing to do with the words themselves it's to do with all the the non-verbal information like our body language facial expressions and Absolutely, when people have got difficulties with the speech and the language bits, then we think about alternative means of communication, which might be sign language, using pictures or objects or anything basically that helps you share a message between two people. I imagine it's so frustrating for people when they can't, as Lee said, communicate. Yeah, I was thinking about that before coming on, actually. Um, it's, it just has, can have such a massive impact on your mental health, having a communication need. You know, if you think about our sense of ourselves as human beings and our relationships in life, it's all based around communication, how we connect with other people. And so to have anything that means that that's interrupted in whatever way is, is just really frustrating, but also 
distressing it can be quite isolating and can really affect people's mental health and we, we find that a lot you know there's a lot of um extra sort of anxieties or depression and things that go alongside having a communication need well as you'd think it, it's most natural to some of to most of us, it's the most natural thing ever is in the world to express how you feel. But if that simple thing was taken away, say you'd lived your full life and you had Parkinson's or a stroke or throat cancer, and that's taken away, that must be a living nightmare. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's, there's different challenges, aren't there? If you've got like a developmental uh, difficulty, so you've grown up your whole life having some, some challenges, it, it's still normal to you. So you've like developed strategies across your life. But to have had, um, you know, somewhere within the realms of like typical communication and then to have something happen in your life that means you lose that, absolutely so, you know, debilitating. And um, but it depends on how sort of communication needs can present. But for some people, they may be have all the sort of cognitive stuff going on. You know, they're able to still think about what, what they want to say, know the, the message in their heads but they just can't physically get it out um and that's just yeah really difficult I think it's something we just take for granted isn't it being able to communicate um, well, I know both of you oh, sorry Anne because I know both of yeah. these lads I mean Lee's daughter is just starting out with language therapy but your your foster brother and sister Aaron I mean they've both got autism and they've had uh, speech and language therapy so they yeah, absolutely. So my younger brother, Kyle, he's autistic. Um, Josh is an autistic, but um, he's got ADHD. And I think he, he's also worked with one as well. Um, but literally everything you were just saying there, Anna, in terms of frustration, I find it distressing. So when Kyle first came into our home, he really struggled in terms of communicating. There's very few words you could ever understand. And it's a testament to the work that you guys do, that now you can actually have a conversation with him. And, and it's remarkable because he's, you know, he's 10 years old and now. And there was a point where we didn't feel he'd ever be able to communicate. And it, it's strange because just to segue ever so slightly, when I started a separate podcast called Find Your Voice, when I was writing down why I wanted to start that, one was obviously to overcome my own anxiety, but I actually wrote that I want to advocate for people without a voice because I knew what my younger brother was potentially going through. Um, but yeah, he's amazing now. He can speak, but you literally hit the nail on the head there. He almost had that kind of, the cognitive function was fine. He knew what he wanted to say. He just couldn't articulate it. Um, but yeah. thankfully... He's in a much better place. And Kelsey, the youngest one, um, I'm sure she's having it as well. Um, and it's helping her communicate better as well. Um, just even like physically as well. So yeah, it's amazing work that you're doing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's really positive to hear. I think, uh, you know, when you're talking about, um, was it your cousin with ADHD? My younger your... brother. The, so yeah, we've got three foster siblings and um, they've, they've all worked individually with speech and language therapists. Yeah, because when we, we think about communication, it can break down in so many different areas, you know, if to be able, like us now, we're having to share our attention with each other. If your brain just can't attend to things in the same way, then you're already kind of scuppered to begin with. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, in terms of causing frustration or anxiety, there's the sort of input bit, isn't there? So your understanding of what's going on or what someone's trying to say to you. And so many things can go wrong at that level. And then a frustration at knowing what you want to say, but not being able to get it out. So, and, and then a little bit more sort of subtle, but complex around that is your social communication skills. So 
you know, some people might have really good language and, and really good um, sort of ability to, to talk and things like that. But social situations themselves and knowing how to connect with another person, how much eye contact you can make or shouldn't make, how close to stand to somebody or how far away. You know, all those subtle sort of social things make such a, <clears throat> a massive difference and they just don't come naturally to everybody. Yeah, and I think what you said there as well, Andrew, is like what we were talking about earlier. It's like when you feel pressured, that flight, fright or freeze, that puts you in that, mm. that situation, doesn't it? It does. I think it's a really good example for us ourselves to think about communication breakdown. So when when we're in a sort of state of anxiety, and w- which could happen for any reason, you know, you're linked to sort of a mental health diagnosis or just generally, you know, you're going for a job interview or you're going to talk to your doctor about your health. So already your sort of state of um you know, your physical state, you're already feeling anxious because you've got to take on board some really um, complex information or you've got to, you know, try and sell yourself. <clears throat> so in those moments, those moments where really it would be great to be able to communicate really well, our bodies kind of do the opposite to us. And um, when you feel in an, in an anxious state, literally your brain to protect yourself from nature we start to kind of shut things down shut functions down and and higher level skills like our communication or our problem solving and things but some of those things that 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 get shut down and I I bet you've had that experience yourself where you you know you come out of a job interview or you come out the doctors and you've not got a clue what they've said to you you know you've got these snippets but you just can't take it all on board yeah, I think I think we all experience a bit of that yesterday while being being interviewed. Um, it's, yeah. I'm experiencing it now, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it does. It it can. It can, and it and it's something that you you do so often, and and you you wouldn't think you ever kind of you wouldn't think even in stressful situation that those skills had evade you, but they do. Um, and it does, and it, and you struggle to get your words out, and yeah, it's it's odd how that works. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That was your interview for the TV, was it? Yeah, ITV that's... News, Anna. ITV News. Just keep your eye out for us. You know, if uh, if anyone else like us to come on in documentaries, you know, we are available. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> no, that's really great. But that as you fun. said, I think, I think what you said, though, Anna, is bang on for when you go to a doctor or an interview, sometimes we're not projecting our our best self because we're worried about saying the wrong thing so then we don't say anything at all so if you yeah. had like a stammer or uh, something like that and uh, some of my closest friends have got stammers and i think what frustrates them when they when there's they've got a stammer is you finishing off their sentences absolutely so for anybody with a communication need being spoken, you know, you talked about um, setting up your other um, podcast about having a voice. Um, and naturally, like as socially as human beings, we don't really like to see people struggling. So our natural reaction is to jump in and to say something for them and sort of repair that what starts to feel like a bit of an awkward social interaction. So we just jump in and do it. But actually, that's the worst thing for the person with a communication yeah. difficulty because you take away their opportunity to participate. Absolutely. You know, they lose their voice, don't they? So many yeah. people I work with with a, with a learning disability will go to the doctors, and, and the doctor might not even talk to them. They will just talk to the person supporting them. 
um, and you, you make assumptions, don't you, about what people's skills are um, what, that might not necessarily be true. You know, there's a lot of people who say somebody with cerebral palsy who might present as if they're, um, they've got some thinking difficulties, you know, some cognitive needs. But actually they haven't. They just, their muscles can't get their words out, but they've got, you know, degrees and or masters mm -hmm. or phds or whatever yeah. so uh we should never just we never yeah never presume yeah I and, never, and absolutely and just to add to your first point never finish somebody's sentence i think i i heard it on a podcast actually um i can't remember what the podcast was about but effectively he was saying don't the same message as, you, as yourselves don't finish somebody else's sentences it's their words not yours and i don't know why but that always just resonated with me so even when i used to do interviews even if I could see there was a difficulty in articulating what they were trying to say, I'd always stay quiet and just give them that moment. Because like you said, obviously when people go out for help or speak to a GP, for example, if you've got somebody putting their words into your mouth, sometimes you may not even have the confidence to correct them or you may just go along with what they're saying. And I think it's a very, very dangerous place. It is. And it can even, you know, communication is so powerful. We shape each other's thinking, don't we? You know, so if you start answering for somebody, you you not only what may you lack the confidence, but you may forget what you're saying and you just take yeah. on their message and you kind of get your your sense of self gets lost in it. I think it's a, so, the, the gaps and the listening are often more important than the talking, aren't they? But that can be hard. But as well as like the actual speech side of it, I know Lee touched on it like um, the cards and um, uh, uh, sign reading, what's it called? Sign language. It, mm -hmm. What other ways are there out there if people are listening and they, they're either struggling themselves or their child or their father, mother? Yeah, so I think your first port of call, if, you, if, you work, if you've got a relation um, or yourself, you're struggling with your communication, would probably be to go to your GP. Or if you it's associated with like a diagnosis, so you know you've got some health need and you're able to access the computer, Google it. You'll always find there's some really helpful things out there. Um, you know, say let's, we used Parkinson's as, a, Parkinson's as an example earlier, or autism was another example. If you just Google that and look for national organizations, you'll often find the sort of patient handouts or things that are quite helpful to help you kind of understand what help might be out there for you. And then approach your GP with that. Um, in terms of what people can do for you, it's hugely varied and it depends, really. I mean, some of the things we were talking about, it's got a big posh name. We call it um, Augmentative Alternative Communication or AAC. And all that means is any kind of communication that's not talking. So um, some people might have sort of high tech communication aids where they might have um, a keyboard on it so you can spell out and then create a message and it talks what you wanted to say um, or they might have one that's got pictures on it and they can use the pictures to build a sentence and it will talk and that's a, like a voice out for aid other people might just use like a picture exchange communication system where they're just using sort of laminate copies of, of pictures some people I work with with more severe learning disability would, um, might use a system called objects of reference where you'll have say an object associated with an activity or a person or a place and they'll use that to sort of cue into 
give it to them because it's got a bit more sensory information, particularly people who are sort of deaf blind, how they learn concepts, they might do that through objects. Um, yeah, so it's varied, hugely varied. But it's remarkable all those different things. When you think of, as Lee said, it's all speech and language, you, you don't even, that doesn't even pop into your head, does it? No, I think we, we kind of should be called communication therapists <laughs> rather than have just you, speech and language. <laughs> have, have you noticed through the lockdown, like not having face to face with people and having to use your phones or your laptops, have, have people struggled with it? Yeah, there's some some people who I work with who just can't access that. It's not mean, you know, a screen is not meaningful to them. They need that kind of extra sensory information to interact with the world. And there's just, yeah, it's not a meaningful um, access. Other people who might have a sort of milder needs, but they just physically don't have access to the technology or would need somebody to support them to be able to go on it. Um, in terms of my job, it's made... A difference you know it's a bold new world this video um sessions you know zoom meetings ms teams meetings and communication wise it's different so if i were to do a communication assessment with somebody over a screen it's not the same demands on us as being face to face so we do a lot as human beings just being next to each other you know emotionally we regulate ourselves and we we, we have to do things internally and mentally that we don't have, it's different over a screen. So, yeah, it's a ma massive change, I think. And one of my um, friends, I'm oh, sorry, Lee, because I've made this one point, because one of my friends is uh, hearing impaired, and he said it's a nightmare now everyone wearing masks, because he he hasn't got to wear a mask. Even, I said he hasn't got to wear a mask because he's registering like, hearing impaired, but he said it's not him that it affects, it's everyone else he talks to because he can't read them when they're wearing a mask. Yeah, we have found it's a big issue and you can buy actually um, clear masks, so window pane masks. Um, so there are some um, available that I think people are starting to use a bit more. I think they're from America. Um, but yeah, people, I think it became apparent to us that some people that we worked with quite a while and we didn't really realise how much they were relying on lip reading until that's been taken away. Um, but but equally, even somebody who isn't hearing impaired, you know, how, how do you know when somebody's smiling or not? You know, how much information do you need about somebody's face, about how they're feeling? And all of this, you know, half of the time, we don't know what our colleagues look like anymore. <laughs> they're just they're just a mask, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry, Lee, you were going to say a question. Yeah, we've got a question in from Abigail Brownhill. So she asked, I was... Our son will be four in July. He he begins school in September and he's currently having speech therapy. Due to COVID, this is limited. I am very worried about him starting school and entering the big wide world himself. Is there any advice you can give me to prepare him and us? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like I said before, I work with adults and, and we, are, we do all specialise within our areas. But um, I think getting advice from the speech and language therapist when you see them and I, and I know we are a very limited resource it doesn't really matter what area we work in whether it's kids or adults we're um you could almost double the number of us in every team I think there's there's such a need out there um but ask the speech and language therapist what what you can be doing at home um and and I guess feel a, a little bit assured that when 
your child goes to school, there are um, sort of different levels of support. They do they do get assessed at school in terms of what their needs are to be able to access the curriculum with with all the other children. So there's sort of different levels within that, and um, it shouldn't just go completely unmissed. Um, there are lots of resources on the internet that you can sort of Google. I, I know of one like Mommy Speech Therapy, but I'd give it a little bit of a warning with that in terms of I don't know what the particular needs are of your child. And so it's always best just to get the advice from a from a speech and language therapist, um, giving lots and lots of opportunities for communication um, and interactions really important and often think about sort of language rich environments and that, that means things like talking quite a bit but also reducing your language labeling things so you know that's a cup that's a cup look can you get a drink um look at the dog or this is the car so just giving lots and lots of those cues to help develop somebody's language but um yeah always go with the advice of your therapist can i, can I also add to that for me a key for my daughter is or for us, so to say, is to use the same. So when he gets assessed at school, make sure you're using the same um, principles at home. So my daughter uses, uh, she uses picture cards. There's no good us going and buying a separate picture card set to the ones at school because we just then, you, you know, they might be similar, but they're not the same and they need to be same across the board. That's brilliant advice, Lee, definitely. So if somebody's using... Um pictures, symbols, photos to help them um, develop their concepts and their language and things. It's almost like, you know, in our language, we use lots of different words for the same thing. And how confusing is that when you're learning, you know, you need things to say the same, don't you? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that goes, sorry, that goes with words as well. Um, again, we, we teach my daughter things like more um, if she wants more of something. But if someone says that's different if we're not all on the pay, same page saying more or saying, you know, do you want more? That's too too much language you won't understand. So, yeah. again, with words, use the same as what they're using in school. Definitely. Keep it simple. And, and also don't be um, afraid of things like using pictures or signing alongside with what you're saying because there's there's no evidence to say that, if, if your child is taught to use a different form of communication, that they'll it will slow them with speech. It's the opposite, actually. It's just more pathways into your head. You've got a visual one with more. I keep signing that because that's the Makaton sign for more. <laughs> um, alongside with the, the word, it just helps helps learn that, helps learn that concept. Hmm. So I think sometimes, like as you just rightly said, Dana, we're frightened if we teach them one way, they won't have to do the other way, sort of be left behind. But I thought it was wonderful what you said. More is better because once you've learned it, by any means necessary, that is in your head then and you can build off them blocks. Mm. Can I just yeah. add to that, Kev, if I may as well, Anna? Um, just a random segue of a story, but with Kyle, um, I spent half a day with him just trying to teach him basic words and colours. We start with like a, um, a set of to one. And what I'd find is, is he's always struggle, even with like one color. So I was trying to do what the teacher had been in it consistent. And it wasn't until probably six, seven months down the line, um, we went to make lunch just before he was going to school. And I opened the, 
Sorry, Aaron, you're really breaking up there, bro. Yeah, you've Hello? frozen. I think, I think we've lost Aaron there. It was a shame because he was just getting to that wonderful bit where he was <laughs> going to say that he suddenly used that word. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was going to tell us about a great steak he had in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, that, I mean, again, we'd say don't, don't you know, don't um, assume other people's messages, but it felt like what he was going to say was don't give up you know, keep going with it because it might feel like you're working on the same thing for a really long time. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Aaron, you're you're back with us. Yeah, carry on, champ. Sorry. I don't even know where I got to in the story. I apologise. My internet's an absolute nightmare. Um, just, I'll try and make it quick. But um, I was trying to teach him So I think we, was, we got to like one colour in the end. Uh, has everyone froze again? No, we could hear again. My bro. internet is really bad. <laughs> okay fantastic um long story short went to make him some lunch opened the drawer all the crisps fell down and all of a sudden after six months he's able to label every single packet of crisps and i just stood there and i, I felt like crying at that point um and the thing is he always knew the answers but it was how again we were, we were teaching him um, and again that obviously happened by chance but it was one of the best stories because it took a lot of patience just trying to get that one thing and i and i always believe there's a way that you can communicate with a child it's just finding the right way so yeah, finally got there, guys. Thanks for holding on. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that's a really nice story. I was just trying to have a guess at what you were saying whilst you were gone. <laughs> and it was about keep keep going with it. It might feel like you're, you know, you're doing a lot of the teaching, a lot of this labelling of colours and going through it and you're getting nothing back. And then one day, boom, Absolutely. it's all been worth it. Hmm. Have you got any of those moments? And obviously, without naming anyone, any of those like gold medal moments? Um, yeah, I've probably got quite a, a lot of them where, you know, in all jobs, it's things can be challenging, can't they? And then there's little nuggets where you just go, oh, that's why I do what I do. Um, I had a really lovely um, letter from somebody who'd written it out on their communication aid <clears throat> to say, um, thank you. She's um, a person with autism to say thank you for all the work that you do with me for respecting and valuing the way she communicates because she talks but she also needs other things so when she's really anxious although she talks she'll be much more reliant on signing um, and although she's got quite good language just socially interacting makes her feel anxious so I sign along with everything that I say and that helps her feel calm um, so it was just really lovely, really lovely letter, really meaningful. Because there's lots of things on YouTube and Google now where people can learn sign languages. There are, yeah. I've worked with, a, I mean, I think some people have feelings about what's age appropriate or not. You know, I work with adults, it's, they're over 18, but I work with so many people who love Mr Tumble and it's because he teaches Makaton. It's great. There's also... Um, for fun things to do at home, like with your kids or um, with adults, if, if they're into that, um, is, um, what's it called? I think it's called Signing Karaoke. And there's like two women in a car, a bit like Peter Kay, and they sing like pop songs and they do signing along to it. It's loads of fun. In fact, um, Jenna, Gemma Hawkes, well, I've said music, music lessons help. 
Now I can attribute to that as well. I remember I had her first piece in language therapies for my daughter. She'd just sing to her, and my daughter would be mesmerised by the way she moved her mouth and things like that. And all that's learning and taking it in. Definitely. I think half the the issue, I was going to say battle, but it's not battle, but half the challenge really is, is getting somebody's um, motivation and interest. You know, if communication doesn't come naturally to you, you're not going to be that motivated by doing it. So if you can find a shared activity like music or a game that gets somebody on board, then you're, you're much more likely to have some successful communication. Have you got any other comments, Lee? Um, just Aaron telling us his internet is down. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've had some We're nice comments. We've guessed. <laughs> yeah, we've, <had laughs> we've had some nice comments. I've been putting them up as we're going along. Um, but no actual questions, all but the one we've read out already. But Anna, uh, is, is there any, like, uh, if people, uh, you've already named one, uh, one site. Is there any other sites you can think of to stop at the end? What's that in terms of um, websites to look at for tips for communication? Both, I would, please. I, I, I'd definitely go for um, based on what the sort of diagnosis is. So you can look on the NHS website and there'll often be links to other places. Um, there's, um, from memory again, because I don't work with children, but um, I can, so I-C-A-N. Um, you can get some handouts and things on um, different developmental stages and what to expect and, and how to support. Um, I think there's one called, oh, I nearly said Talk Talk, but that's a mobile phone thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's you talk or, yeah, I'd, ha I'd have to have a look, but I could, I could send you some that you could post on your page. I'd rather do that and then be accurate than try and go off the top of my head now. But for, for people with um, so learned disabilities and autism, the, the National Autistic Society, you can look at the Challenging Behaviour Foundation. You know, you have to remember all behaviour is just a form of communication. Um, they've got some really good links on there. Um, British Institute for Learning Disabilities or BUILD, MENCAP. Um, those, those sites are very good. Um, and you'll find within all sort of big organisation sites, so there's ones for ADHD, for, um, like I said, Parkinson's, Stroke, uh, Dementia UK. If you go on those big kind of sites, they will always have links to other other resources. Um, often as well, you can find um, family support groups. So, again, those big sites for with specific diagnoses can, can be helpful to find something locally. I'd always encourage people as well to contact, if it says, you know, contact us if you have a question, do so, ping them a quick email, they, they should get back to you and let you know what's going on in your local area, it can be really supportive, because it's not just the individual with a communication need, is it, it's all of their partners around them. Well, that's what that. I was just going to mention, because I've, I, before you said that, I was just thinking about that, because we often think about, say, I had a stroke. Then the attention goes on to me. But how about my wife, my daughter, my parents? It, it must be extremely difficult for that person who you're trying so hard to communicate with that person you've lost. Absolutely. And like, you know, Lee's been talking about the, the work that he's doing at home. Um, a lot of our work is not focused always with that individual, with that child or with that adult. It's with the people around them because you can't always shape 
the communication skills of the person. You have to think about their environment and what's going to make it easier for them. Um, so whether that's, you know, trying to develop their skills or just trying to maximise and maintain what they've already got, you're reliant on the people communicating with them to change what they're doing. So a lot of our work is focused there. Lee, is there anything you want to comment about? Yeah, I think I think you just have to be open to trying it. Like, um, me, my wife have done a Makaton course. I was, I was trying to actually find um, the link to it. Uh, it's a local one to us, so I thought it'd be quite useful, but I can't find it. Uh, but it's a fantastic course, and it's well worth doing. So when I find it, I will I will add the link into there. So if anyone is looking for it, um, it, it is really fantastic course yeah. to do. But you've got to be willing to learn yourself. And, and, I mean, one of the hardest things for me with my daughter is her not being able to communicate with us. Uh, she, and she's got a really high pain threshold, so I find it, you, you know, for her to express anything, she doesn't really express anything at all, really. You know, she, there's there's bits of happiness, there's bits of anger, but it's never extreme. So you never really know what uh, what she wants to say. Um, but it's very important to learn those signs because there is little, little hints that, and mm. you do get used to those hints. She might not be even using, uh, she doesn't even use the Makaton. She doesn't really understand the card yet. But because we've been around her long enough, we, we, get, we get used to what she wants. We know when she wants to eat or when she wants to drink. What we're trying to do now is bring that so anyone around her can recognise that sign. And the way you mm. do that is by using Makaton and using the cards and using things like that, because that's universal then. Yeah, absolutely. It's about having a shared shared language, whatever that language may be, whether it's pictures or signs. Um but it's so it's so important, isn't it? What you were just talking about is that those little subtle behaviours. You know, you learn it through being together all the time and knowing each other's routines, and also knowing li- little tiny changes in her behaviour or you know facial expression or the tone of the the vocalisation she's making things as to how she might be responding to something that's happening now. And then you can shape it around that. And, and that's communication itself. You know, you, when you were saying, oh, she, she doesn't really express that much. From what you're just saying, a huge amount. You know, you, you and your wife are obviously picking up a huge amount of what she does. It's just, for me, I think about that as communication mm-hmm. still. But a lot of us, we, we don't do we? No, that's right. That's right. And, and yeah, myself, I've just put myself in that bracket that we do. I suppose what I, what I try what I was trying to say is that we'd we'd like her to be able to express it more, so we know what she wants. So so if she's in a room playing, she'll come up to the gate when she wants to be picked up. But we don't actually know what we, she wants to be picked up for. It could be mm. it could be a, that's yeah that's kind of where I'm going with it. Um, yeah. But you, the different definitely is little signs that you do you do learn and you do pick you do pick up on and it the it's kind of like having a baby to be totally honest the when you know you get used to those little that cry or that movement or that and you know then what they want from that movement or mm. cry or so are you using the pictures lay by starting to link them to an object or an activity that is the plan. So when she's she's not back in school now, I say we're speech and language actually around last week, and that is the plan going forward that we get a universal set of pictures that she she understands. But we we at home after I've said do what they do at school, we've kind of gone off cuff. 
because we've been at home so long and I've been using a, Mac, a Big Mac button um, and I can change the colours on the top. So mm. I'll put I'll put the two Big Macs in front of her and one's red and one's yellow and, and one's for us is one for a drink and one is for food. And we're trying to get used to her pressing one of those if, to, to see which one she wants. Um, trying to bring a bit more choice into her life as well. Mm. Would you like to explain Absolutely. to Alan what uh, your baby's condition is? Um, how long we got? It's a main condition of Dravet syndrome, which is a rare form of epilepsy, which has um, caused development delay. So she is six now, but she functions at um, a 12 to 18 month year old. Um, mm. Yeah, there's there's quite a few other things going on in the background, but yeah, that's a main thing. Um, but you know what? She's a happy child, uh, and that's really that's really the key to it. Definitely. And those things you mentioned then about having more choices, that is just so important, isn't it, as a human? Having choices and being in control of your own experiences in life, that's that's just all we want for, for everybody and for our children, isn't it? That's it. Um, and, and as you're probably aware, they do EHC reports within, within school to see a, a, what help they need and what, you know, how they can progress going forwards. And there's a big part in colours with with um, speech and language, and because the, they want to give her a voice, um, mm. so she can decide what's in this report as well. Uh, you, you know, because there's no point in just us and the professionals doing it. It's got to be benefits benefiting to her as well. Yeah, well, that sounds sounds brilliant. Could you explain to me, being a bit of um, someone who doesn't know about it, what is the difference between what 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 does Mister Tumble do? Makaton. yeah. Makaton. What's the difference between Makaton and sign language? So there's different types of sign language. Two of the main ones are like British Sign Language or American Sign Language. Um, they are a bit more complex in terms of their grammar. So um, British Sign Language has a totally different grammatical system than what we use in um, sort of spoken British language. Um, Makaton uses a lot of the same signs, but um, it's sometimes you hear in school, you can hear it called sign-supported English. You use it in the same order. So, you know, like in French, you might use like a verb before a noun or I'm not very good at French. So that's not a very good example. <laughs> but, um, BSL is a bit like that as well. The, the way they ex express uh, emotion and things, you know, if you, you see a sign of their facial expressions, uh, um, you know, uh, communicate a lot of the meaning of what they're signing as well so it's, it's just it's, it's makaton's like a simplified version and it's used alongside talking you don't just use it on its own you use it with talking and, and often um you might just sign say one keyword or two keywords in a sentence it depends on where where the learner's at in terms of their understanding because um, I always thought sign language was universal, but it's different in different countries, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Which kind of makes sense, doesn't it, if you think about all the different spoken languages we've got? Would you think like hello, like a greeting? Maybe in ignorance, not knowing any better, I just thought a greeting. But as you say, it's different languages with different cultures, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and when it comes to the sort of hand gestures and things that are used in sign, we know that there's a lot of difference, don't we, around the world about different um i'm not going to use them because they're uh, they're all rude all the ones that I <laughs> <laughs> but um 
Yeah, there's there's an advert, isn't there? I think there was a HSBC advert where he was doing the OK sign. Um, and then I think it's in South America. That means something quite different. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't OK. <laughs> Which isn't OK, yeah. It's okay. it's general social comment. <laughs> and Lee, how did you do that course? Um, you can anyone can book into it to be quite honest. As I say, I'll, I will find the lady. The lady's called Jane Walker, but I can't find um, her actual site at the moment. Um, uh, but it's absolutely you, fantastic. I was going to say, if you Google it, you'll find um, across the UK there's um, regional trainers and they tend to put on training um, programs. There's kind of two routes you can do one's a more of a professional one, which again, anyone can apply for. And one's more aimed at sort of parent carers. And then there's um, a foundation and an intermediate level for each. And then you kind of go up to being a trainer yourself. Um, but, yeah, if you look on the Makaton website, um, you should be able to find some links to, to what's available locally. It might be, Lee, that because um, of COVID, it's all had a little rest. rest for a while. It. I mean, it, it, you can find I was trying to find the actual lady's name um, and, where, and where to book through because I know you can book through her. Um, she goes. She actually goes to my daughter's school as well, or her son goes to my daughter's school, should I say? But if you go onto makaton.org, you can book on these workshops from there by the looks of it. Um, we'll put that. We'll put that in the show notes, and I won't, mate. Yeah, well, that'll go in the show notes. Yeah. Well, Anna uh, Lee, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask or to Anna? Um, no, no, just thank you for coming on. It's It's been a great conversation. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks ever so much for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. Now, before I ask you your quote or saying it's got you for your life, I'm just going to advertise tomorrow's um, men only over 18 support group, which is every Wednesday night at the Lions Boxing Club, which is 7 pm to 9 pm, um, where we all get together. And it's not all doom and gloom. Um, we've got a few spaces left. We've got, um, in all honesty, guys, it's been bloody great. Just getting together with other blokes, having a chat. You know, and there hasn't been one yet that we haven't had a laugh, normally at my, my expense. And it's great. So if you would like to, uh, drop us an email. What's our email, Lee? So our email is blackcountryblokes at gmail.com. If you can get in touch with us, um, Any time now, if you want to go to tomorrow's session, just because I, I do have to send you an e email, um, just so you can say you're COVID-free, basically. And we are in Briley Hill in the West Midlands. And if they'd like to have a look at our website, Lee, what is that? That's www.theblackcountryblokes.co.uk. And on there we have our our fantastic hoodies and t-shirts and the hat that Kev's modelling. Um, and all profits go back into running this podcast and into the support group to buy teas and coffees and things like that. So we don't earn a single penny of it. It all goes back into helping men's mental health. And Kev there is trying to model the mask. I'll try to put the mask on, but I lost my earphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll never make a model. <laughs> I've lost my bloody earphone now. Oh, it's all going on, on Thursday, hopefully... Uh, we've got Debbie Slater from the Black Country Women's Aid coming on to tell us about the remarkable stuff she's doing. Uh, what a brilliant organisation. They don't just work with women, 
uh, with men, and it's, it's just fantastic what they do. So hopefully, fingers crossed, she'll be on on Thursday. So, Anna Rockle, have you got any quotes or sayings that's helped you get through life? Well, in my defence, um, I was only, this was sprung on me at the start. <laughs> so I would like to have had something really related to speech and language therapy, but I haven't. So it's just one from, genuinely from my life. Um, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Wonderful. <laughs> so once again, thank you very much for coming on. So guys, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra a bit. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra a bit. Listen, listen, listen.